Hey, we're facing the same direction. Kind of. Kind of? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how's that look? Looks good. Okay. Goodish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can bruised. see why some people, when they get podcast tables, they have like round tables or like. I mean, I can understand like a, it. Yeah. Like a U shape and the U shape faces. Uh, I mean, normally when people have long tables, they also have the type of podcast where um, somebody can uh, like they switch different um, camera. Mm -hmm. the, the, go to camera one, go to camera two. Right. Go to whoever's talking. Okay. All Need a fix or at least monitor the audio for myself because I know last time when I did it myself, I was very, very quiet. Um, so I need to queue up the podcast itself and have it on medium to low. And I want to make sure it's loud enough on medium to low that that should mean that we're at the right volume levels. Testing me, testing me. I sound nice and clear. Peaking, peaking, peaking plosives. That uh, sounds fine. All right, Nick. Uh, peaking, peaking plosives. Doing yeah. things. Do are we like this is like the quickest we've been done with a sound check? Knock on wood. It sounds fine on my phone. So, <laughs> with the volume like at thirty percent. So. I think we're fine. Good enough for me. All right. You ready to hold for sound? I am. All right. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to RCR podcast number 79. I am Nick. I am Brian. And we have a lot to talk about today mm -hmm. because, uh, as you noticed by the title of the podcast, uh, the Falcon has a cracked alternator bracket. Yep. Um, I'm now looking at, we need more light on us. So I think the light uh, behind Nick can turn off. In real life, this is a very weak light, but even on camera, it still looks very bright. So there is like um, a desk lamp over there that Ivan got, but it's like not bright enough. You need almost studio lighting over there along the wall. Like you can't see like where the camera is looking. Yeah. So I was also thinking to get tabletop mic stands. Like, th like the boom mic I think is fine for me because it's hooked over here. Um, but I think for guests or depending, like if you're gonna sit there and you got the corner, we may could have something on the table. I just added some cheap ones to my next, to my Amazon order and we'll give them a try, see how they work. Yeah. Um, just to double check that the uh, the red tape is in front. Yep, Okay. red good. tape right in front. All right, so yeah. the, the Vagabond Falcon has a crack in the alternator bracket, which is odd. Um, I, I didn't cheap out on the alternator bracket either. It's from Marsh Performance, um, which, you know, when you go to any Wingadinga show and there's a whole bunch of guys and they've got the billet aluminum pulleys and stuff on their small block Chevys and small block Fords and it's all there and it's super shiny. That's what my alternator bracket is, a $90 alternator bracket. Mm. But 
It's like, hey, this is machined aluminum. It, it's supposed to not let the alternator move. It holds everything in there like really tight. Well, lo and behold, there's a small crack in it. Now it's been three years, but like these things are not supposed to break like that. I mean, the thing's quarter inch thick. So something was going on or, or maybe I just got a faulty one. I don't know. So I'm going to email Marsh and just see if they respond. It's like, hey, blah, 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 YouTube channel. Really like your product. It worked well. It fit with our build, but it has a small crack in it. Is there anything you can do to help us out? And if the answer is no, then I do the same thing, only I do it publicly on Twitter. <laughs> and if they still ghost me, I'm like, fine, I'll go on Summit and pay $90 for a new alternator bracket and hardware. And then the Falcon just goes and sits at Bruce's uh, for a while. Right now at Bruce Hen's garage, my old landlord, because now we're in a new place, my old landlord, Jake, yeah, he was he is a property manager and he would buy and sell properties. And he came across an estate sale. Mm. Big house, barn out back. Inside the barn was three Plymouth Furies from the 70s. Shit malaise. One was one is so ugly, it's beautiful. It's that puke green. 70s uh, with like sculpted velour upholstery, but the car's fucking mint. I mean, that does sound delightful. It's oh, and the other ones are like there's like a red one, which I guess was sp the sporty Plymouth Fury, and then I think there's like a piss yellow one. The interior is not as good, it must have been the one that was driven the most. And there was also a CJ CJ7 in there. No, excuse me, a, a, a Jeep TJ. It was also really clean. It just needed some like hoses and vacuum lines and stuff. That one was the first one that Bruce worked on. And then it's gone. It's probably sold right now. I like, tell me about that TJ. Cause right now TJs are freaking investments and the prices of those things go insane. Like if you're going to buy a Wrangler, buy a YJ, the square headlight one. Cause it's essentially the same. I know they're not the same, but the square headlight ones are cheaper. Although, you know, Radwood's bringing them up as well, but still on the whole, uh, a YJ Wrangler is going to be cheaper than a TJ Wrangler. So there's three Plymouth Furies right now. Bruce is back up to pre-COVID levels. It's it's bumping over there. There's cars going in and out. He hired a new person. They're going great. So when I send, when I give him the Falcon, in order to change the alternator bracket, he's going to have to take the grill and radiator out. So, so there's going to be a bunch to take off to back those long Allen bolts out that hold the alternator bracket on and put a new one on. So it's going to be there probably for, I'm hoping a month. Like when I send stuff away, I kind of hope they don't come back for a while because then that opens up a spot in my garage. <laughs> so I could finally get like a cheap RCR project car. And something I was talking about on the podcast, maybe you remember, is buying a manual transmission Toyota Camry. Mm -hmm. RCR project dad time. Yeah. And just buy a dad car. And like, my point is like, hey, you're get, you, want a, you want an enthusiast car, but you maybe you were going to go to college or not in college. You're, you're 18 to like 23. What should I get? I don't have a lot of money. And I want to make a case for finding value in cars that no one else sees value in. And that's the Toyota Camry that comes with a six-speed manual. <laughs> um, just dad style car, but you can control because it's almost a blacktop engine in there. It's, it, it, I forget which 2FC engine is. It's a great engine, but was just nerfed by the transmission of all Camrys. It was just bleh. But there exists out there Camrys with six speed, you know, three pedal cars. And I'm like, this thing's going to be freaking awesome. So, okay, what can you do to this car to like wake the engine up a little bit more? Do they make 
cams for it? Uh, is there a tune you can do to it? Can I take it to Matt Happel? Is someone going to figure out the ECU on these things? And that could be a project. Of course, knowing my luck, Bruce would like fix the car in a day. Be like, hey, it's done. Come pick it up. Yeah. And like, oh, great. Now I have three cars again. That means probably the Subaru would have to live on the street. Nah, now the Camry would live on the street. The yeah, project car would live on the street. Yeah, because realistically, with the issues that uh, Goldie's had yeah. in the past. But ultimately, I mean, that's rich coming from me. I just got mine uh, back from the leaking issue. Oh, yeah, how'd that, that, that go? And it's just, a, there was like a small microscopic, you have to like look for it. Well, I mean, more than I looked for it, I guess, mm -hmm. in the um sort of like door frame yeah ish it was just a nothing fix okay. um but yeah it's just something that was kind of um for the life of me i couldn't find it mm. on my own i comb fine tooth comb mm -hmm. every inch of the side at which i thought it was coming from as a matter of fact i thought it was coming through like the you know the ac or the heater core like yeah like just somewhere over there well because it was coming down in the in the we in the foot wells right yeah but in the driver's side foot well oh. so it was kind of a weird i don't know it was just strange um so yeah i don't know car problems but it is what it is and so it's always good to have things fixed when you uh need them fixed rather than putting it off that's kind yeah. of how i was with the colonoscopy that i got and endoscopy did we talk about that I talked about uh, how I was like having the appointment set up and then it yeah. got delayed for a month. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the last, last week I had to prepare for two days um, because I was going to get both um, the endoscopy and the colonoscopy done at the same time, hopefully not with the same camera, but nah. the, uh, the whole idea of it was that uh, I was essentially um, having to cleanse for two days, which they always say the prep is the worst part, but I found it delightful yeah. because all I was doing was like watching old movies and shitting all day <laughs> because they tell you like, don't work. Um, don't make any major decisions. Don't, uh, you know, exert yourself or do it. It's basically licensed to not do anything. Nice. And it's nice to not have to do anything. And so I just watched a bunch of old movies. I watched, um, written on the wind, which with Robert stack. Um, it oh, was from I'm, educate me. I don't know. What it was that from is. the 1950s. He plays a raging alcoholic, uh, but, um, and it was his only Oscar nomination and he would have won too, but they did this whole, um, this block vote against him because he was uh, loaned out by his studio to another studio and his studio didn't want him winning an Oscar for the other studio. So oh, it was like weird. that weird thing where he kind of got screwed for it, but you kind of forget how great of an actor Robert Stack was. Mm. Um, I also watched giant, which was like three and a half hours long, but it was James Dean's final movie before he died in the mm. 550 spider crash. Mm. And they actually had to bring someone in to dub in his lines to finish the movie. Mm -hmm. But, oh. uh, but yeah, colonoscopy, it was weird. Cause you know, they give you this like list of things that you need to sort of have with you to prepare. So you get like the Dulcolax tabs, you get the gas X, but you get the Miralax and then you got to mix it in with whatever. And ultimately, uh, it was almost like an irresponsible amount of laxatives. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, just the whole day I was just kind of, but you feel so clean, like you mm. feel bloated, but you also feel so clean. And then I go in there and 
you know, a lot of it is people say, well, you know, don't worry about the procedure. It'll be over in a minute before you know it. Mm -hmm. Like my issue was never the procedure. It was always, you know, are they going to find something? But, um, apparently they didn't. So, um, unless they, uh, well, I mean, I have a follow-up appointment on Wednesday and like they told me they didn't find anything, but they always do the follow-up appointment anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but my anesthesiologist was telling me about how like a friend of his won a Roush because I was wearing my SN95 mask. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he basically was saying how the guy had to pay $20,000 in taxes to uh, have the car released to him. My buddy Tom, his dad had that happened to him. He won like a like in the early 2000s. He won a Dodge Dakota pickup. And the pickup was free, but you still had to pay the state state tax at the dealership and yeah. if you wanted it. Which it's just an insane amount of money to if you would if he had bought it outright it would have been an insane amount of money but mm -hmm. relative to what a Roush costs I would think that twenty thousand dollars would be reasonable if he wanted to keep the car hell yeah twenty thousand so, dollar Roush yeah so he kept the car and um, yeah and that was kind of the last thing I remember before uh, going out and then um, I don't know woke up was groggy the rest of the day um had a meal that was probably too big for, mm. for a first meal but i was just so done with not because it was a two-day prep rather than uh -huh. one day because i was having both procedures at the same time so um had to be extra clean mm -hmm. and cleared out and yeah it was just um i don't know i have internal hemorrhoids but i knew that already Ooh. but it was just nice for my peace of mind to have that sort of confirmed and they give you like the pictures from the you know yeah. the, the scope and so it's like great oh hey look at my colon oh they all oh, the, the <laughs> internal hemorrhoids are so right you want to frame it oh yeah i mean let's blow it up and you know just yeah it was a blast in both the figurative and literal sense yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it, I, I it just was it is what it is all right and I need to not. go fix myself a drink. Oh, and I'll do a Roman report, which okay. is just uh, three automotive news stories about uh, things. All right. So first up, Associated Press reports that electronics could stop 40% of big truck rear crashes. Safety features such as automatic emergency braking and forward collision warnings could prevent more than 40% of crashes in which semis rear end other vehicles, a new study has found. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, a research group supported by auto insurers, also found that when the rear crashes happened, the systems cut the speeds by over 50%, reducing damage and injuries. The Institute called on the federal government to require the systems on new large trucks and said many truck fleet operators are already adding emergency braking on their own. Nancy, back to you. Oh, wait, I don't have anyone to throw to. Okay, so next one is also out of Detroit. Hyundai and Kia recall over 591,000 vehicles for leaks that can cause fires. So basically, uh, Kia and Hyundai... Okay, suddenly now in the headline, it says 591,000 vehicles, but in the body of the text from the Associated Press, it says that it's over 600,000 vehicles in the US and Canada due to a uh, brake fluid leak that could cause engine fires. And so this would affect 440,000 Kia Optima midsize sedans from 2013 through 2015 and Kia Sorento SUVs from 2014 and 2015, 
also covered our 203,000 Hyundai Santa Fe SUVs from 2013 to 2015. The affiliated automakers say brake fluid can leak inside a hydraulic control unit for the anti-lock brakes, possibly causing an electrical short that can lead to fires. Kia's recall will start October 15th, while Hyundai's will start October 23rd. Dealers for both companies will inspect the control units for leaks and replace them if needed at no cost to owners. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I'll tell you where that won't happen, and it's at Kunkelman Chevrolet, uh, Buick GMC Oldsmobile. And also, I guess Kunkelman Chevrolet has a Nissan dealership now, so good for them. Uh, uh, yeah, that is... Uh, I don't know if you're affected by like if you have any of those cars definitely be on the lookout they warn that um if the anti-lock brake warning light comes on owners should not drive their vehicles and they should contact a dealer they also should disconnect the 12 volt battery by removing the positive cable so just be on the lookout for that just in case and last but not least dodge announced today a new factory dragging drag racing car based on the challenger coupe the 2021 Challenger Mopar Drag Pack is a turnkey track-only dragster built to dominate the quarter mile with bespoke drivetrain, chassis, suspension, and safety equipment priced from 143 large. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's... Is, looks, is it a demon that's just roll cage? Do you have a picture of it? Yeah, it's right here. All right. It's, what am it's, I looking at? It's, yeah, I'm looking at what looks like a demon. It's, it more, it, it I'll looks, bet maybe there's a tube frame in it. Uh, I see a car lifting the front wheels. And so maybe, yeah, it, it comes. Now, you see what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing is a white, a white, well, has a red, white, and blue livery uh, um, demon, really, with, uh, but the halos on the headlights still are on. So, like, dedicated track cars like drag cars don't have headlights it's like that scene in uh cars like race cars don't need headlights because <laughs> the track is always lit and then there was a meme for about about that but yeah unless you're doing like le mans or like some enduro racing on a track that doesn't have that isn't fully lit then yeah they need lighting but but drag drag cars don't need headlights so I mean, they, it's odd that they put those things on there. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like the release really talks about it. Mm. Um, I don't know, 354 cubic inch Hemi V8, forged internals, uh, topped with a three liter Whipple type twin screw supercharger. Nah, yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's just, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's looks nice. Uh, it is 3.22 p.m. in Eastern Pennsylvania, but I'm going to be drinking hard liquor now. Uh, it's definitely drinking time in the UK, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Shout outs to uh, Deutschland, Austria, Spain, Russia, everybody who's uh, having a good time evening now, South Africa. Mm. Oh, it's been a while since I drink. You know, in the summertime, I don't really drink liquor. But nip a fall in the air. Yeah, I could have made this dirtier. I could have made this a lot dirtier. Too much vermouth in it, too. Mm. Mm. I can never really get down with vermouth. It's too... Oh, it's hobo wine. Yeah. It's legitimately fortified wine. Huh. It's like Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah.
There was a guy in New York who lived to like 105 and he said his uh, secret was lard on toast and an entire jug of Thunderbird wine, wine like a week. Was that the thing that uh, that Lewis Black had a had a bit on? Or maybe I it was just a remember. daily show thing that they just picked up that story too. <laughs> Thunderbird wine. I, I bought that, I think, twice, like on a whim. Uh, and yes, you can drink it as long as it's ice cold and dulls all the flavor because it's freaking hobo wine. Yeah, I mean, that kind of is what you have to do with it is that the colder it is, the better it'll be just because yeah. you don't have to taste as much of it. <laughs> it's not hitting you in every single... Thunderbird wine. There's this great... Yeah. Um, song by the artist c60 that's just called thunderbird and like his album uh i started out with nothing and i still got most of it left uh <laughs> is about just about being a bum in like the 50s and 60s because he was uh. and he just had this like blues song about drinking thunderbird wine and eating spaghettios <laughs> you know and a hobo fire meal of kings <laughs> of course now i'm thinking like I don't, I can't recall a time when I ate SpaghettiOs and I was disappointed when I was little. I used to always eat them out of obligation when my mom would pack them in the little like thermos because I never liked it, but I never had the heart to say anything about it. Oh, really? Even though I don't know why, like my mom probably would have loved for me to say that I didn't give a shit about SpaghettiOs. Huh. It just always tasted weird to me. It always mm. tasted like melted crayons <laughs> over pasta that didn't have the structural integrity to remain in your mouth longer than like half a second yeah i mean it was like soup noodles really uh yeah basically i mean it's nothing and then the ones with meat in them they're like i mean Mystery the ravioli meat. was all right but i mean it's yeah, just dude, the ravioli was great it's just part of pasta and my interest in it as a kid or even now has always been about texture and spaghettios mm. have no texture. That's true. You know, it's like, what's ravioli if you're not getting texture? What's an Alfredo if you're not getting texture? True. What's lo mein without texture? Right. You know, you gotta have something that's, you know, substantial. Yeah. My parents used to make uh, like angel hair spaghetti and then I think it was my favorite meal at home. And I always wondered like how I could never make it when I moved out. Like I could never make spaghetti like my parents made spaghetti. Oh, I thought you, you, they meant you'd never make it in life. After oh. I'm like, I'm like, that was why would they say that? Like, my dad once told me that I'm gonna grow up dig digging ditches uh, because I got bad grades in English. Uh, like the, uh, one time, like yeah, I'm an English major. Fourth grade, I got an F when you're in english class and it was all because of those those damn spelling tests every week yeah most of your grade in english class for the majority of your school career pre-k to 12 is all those spelling tests they always had them either thursday or friday mm. Mm. spelling was like the only thing i was good at in school literally every other subject i was terrible in. well i was all right in history but um like the the type of english that they had you doing yeah was about all those things that you never hear about again once you're out of school like predicates and Predicate past part of support. Yeah. yeah and you know all these other things where i'm just kind of not um i don't know i'm i 
it's something where I just wanted to move on to the reading part. Yeah. Like the literature. Yeah. That's what does it for me. Yeah. All that stuff, learning the parts of speech. The reason, reason I think you do it is because it's easy to grade. Hmm. But even English, like in college, they said, well, it's good that you know the parts of speech, but all right, it, English contradicts itself all the time. Can I understand what you're saying? Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> we, we're now moving into literary analysis. Yeah. And it's all one great maybe anyway. Oh, my God, I love olives. I love gin-soaked fucking olives. But they can only be soaked in gin if you do them yourself. That pre-made stuff you can buy at the liquor store? Nope. It's not the same. I bought them once. It's not the same. God, it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, Nick H. Says, um, thank you for your donation, Nick H. Good afternoon. Do either of you follow any IndyCar? No. Indianapolis 500? No. Like motorsports, if it's on in the background in the gym, I like it. But no. Thoughts on the season? I have no thoughts because I'm not watching. And he also says anime titties. So... Nick H, I'm impressed that you get here the first time every time and to just to tell me anime titties. Thank you for that. Yeah, like sometimes there's heads up that we're going to be podcasting. Other times there's not. I don't know. Um, Nick H is always there. Yeah. Nick, come Bob, in um, thank you for your donation. Here's a couple of bucks for the ham. <laughs> I'll have the ham. I did have ham yesterday. I went and bought that ham steak, mostly water thing. Oh, uh. it was like $3. I'm like, I haven't had this in a while. So I go home, cook it up later that night. Honestly, I got a little high and I'm like, this is going to be freaking awesome. It's just gonna be like hot ham and cheese. And I'm frying it in a pan and it's getting brown and it smells good in the pan. Hmm. And just like your SpaghettiOs, once I started eating it, there's no texture. This is just is this like process? Did they just form like ham stock into the shape of a patty? And now I'm eating it. I mean, it, it just had like, you know, rubber it tasted like rubber with a hint of ham. If LaCroix made ham. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I, I, I imagine that they do. Um, with a hint of ham. <laughs> That's gotta be a line. I'm gonna write that down or something like that. It's just, odd it's here you want the sensation of meat yeah but this is what you can afford yeah three dollars you can buy this thing of ham it's like i'm already like two-thirds of water why does my ham have to be two <laughs> um ryan gallagher thank you for your donation says will you be visiting ant cough drops in florida for such and such goat holiday this year uh, that's a good question. We did it one year. We had Christmas down there in Florida. It was odd. Um, don't make her sad. I don't know what my family's doing now for Christmas. I think I don't want to be a podcast that talks about the state of the world, but I'm resigning to myself that this is going to be four years of this. I like it's um and the reason I say four years is that's a high school career. And they say high school isn't forever. <laughs> you you feel it sort of feels like high school. We're still in uh we're in COVID freshman year right now. So this is freshman year. Oh, is it going to be like this forever? You know, no. No, of course no, not. No, it's four years. This is, you'll, be, you'll be a different person by senior year. So COVID senior year in four years, 
I'll bet there's going to be a COVID senioritis. We're like, yeah, we're still in it, but fuck it. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I can guarantee like, I don't think the collective patience of the world has four years <laughs> of it in there. But like, I have always been of the mind that it won't be forever, but it is going to suck for a while. Yeah. Like, and as, but granted, like that's been like my outlook on life <laughs> of where, you know, not life sucks and then you die, but like when something sucks, it's going to suck for a while. And then eventually, you know, things will just either adjust to a new status quo or go back to the status quo with which you're familiar. And so I'm just kind of in that state of mind where, okay, well, um, you know, wearing a mask and washing my hands for 20 seconds isn't really that big of a, like it's become <laughs> automatic yeah. at a, after a certain point to where, you know, it's not something I think about that much. Mm -hmm. And to your point about, you know, it sucks for a while. I'm like, yesterday or the day before, I thought, well, how long was the Great Depression? Well, the Great Depression was 1929. The official turning point of the Great Depression was 1933, that earlier. So it was 29 to 33. Call it the end of 34. Again, it fits my four-year theory, my four-year high school theory, that like the worst economic and environmental disaster to wreck the United States, the Great Depression was four years. And then residual effects probably for the next century and a good war ended that. So that's why I bought Raytheon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also like this was the other part of it is that I guess the reason why I'm not as immediately fatigued with all of this is because I don't miss having a social life in a mm. weird way. Like I had a social life where I would go to sort of open mics, you know, every week and sort of, uh, go to movies, go to just places, you know, and hang around and sort of idle about and maybe nurse drinks mm -hmm. as I write and people watch. And then mm -hmm. with this, I realize I don't really miss it. Like I haven't had a drink in like five months wow. and I don't care and I don't plan to anytime wow. soon. And so it's one of those things where I just wish that, uh, I would have the willpower once everything goes back to the way it does. If it eventually, when it eventually does. Next time we do this, I should just buy a bottle of wine and just put a glass of wine in front of him. Just like, <laughs> yo, I mean, I, well, no, cause like, I'm not in that place where it was ever really a problem for me. Mm. It, I'm just in that. It's just that it became such a part of my routine that once I stopped, I'm like, why do I still, why did I, like, mm. I don't miss it enough to be like, why do I do this? I could have a glass of wine. I could have several glasses of wine. I could get drunk on a night. And I don't think that I would feel any sort of like the hangover would be less than enough mm. um, for me to not want to do it again. Mm. But I, after a certain while, I realized that I don't necessarily need to, um, drink to get the gumption to perform anymore. Um, and I don't necessarily need to drink to, um, write or anything. Like I don't need a Hemingway it or Hunter S. Mm. Thompson it, um, you know, of where I need to be on things. And I'm not implying that like to write that anybody needs to be. But I always thought like a lot of my good stuff came from when I was like wasted. But 
it's also yeah, a thing. I, I can't write when I'm drunk, but I, I almost need coffee or stimulants. Oh, I need coffee. Yeah, I need yeah. Uh, some kind of stimulation. And so, I mean, it's it's the trade-off, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of I'm replacing one vice with another in a sort of way. And mm -hmm. that, like, instead of alcohol, it's like, well, would coffee even really be a vice unless you have I some? I say it like, is. Yeah. I mean, I, it's any. I need it. <laughs> yeah, anything that you can't control and that you would need you know yeah, um, like doing a doing a film shoot like gosh you, I, I need coffee yeah this I, is this i we're, we're gonna be rocking and rolling for minimum one hour maximum three hours i need something not that i'm gonna chug but maybe it's mental knowing that every now and again i can just go to my car and take a break yeah and just sip the coffee just for like a hot 20 seconds and then we're back to filming again yeah, and I do, and I feel like I do need alcohol to do these podcasts because I feel like I'm not interesting enough uh, on camera with, if I'm not like a little bit loose, but then, but then there's also like the, like the physical numbing effect for my throat. Yeah. Cause yeah. All, all the talking for like an hour or two hours, numbing helps. Like what's, what's the alternative to that? Yeah. Either toughing it out, like I did last time. Like last time when I did the Brian and you, and I was really, that was just, I was sober the whole time. And, you know, my throat hurt at the end of that. So do I do painkillers? Do I just Jocko Willink and own it? Like I need to do this. I mean, it was a fine podcast, but. What oh. you need, gargle away. It What's is, uh, it's basically this combination of, um, spices it's an over-the-counter thing that's sold in the same aisle as like cough drops and things but it's a little brown box and you can easily miss it right next to the whatever the sprays that numb your throat but it's just all it is is just different spices that you could get from a spice rack in the supermarket all the ingredients are listed in the back it's nothing like chemical that you wouldn't know and you just mix it into a packet of brown water you gargle it for like 30 seconds and like your throat feels right as rain, like tip top really? goo. <laughs> like it's weird because like I have like pretty bad allergies with my throat. When I was recording the RCR stories that's coming up soon, it's weird that like I wasn't even up there that long, but my throat was killing me by the end mm. of it. And like after an hour of recording, and you'll hear it in the uh, podcast or not in the pot in the RCR stories. I cut around uh, the parts that really sound like puberty voice, mm. but um, there were some that I couldn't really like. There was like one or two where I couldn't really edit out the cracks of just like oh, it's called progress, uh -oh. you know, or a very Peter Brady. But um, I don't know. It's something where I. Uh, just gargle some of that and I feel a lot better than I did before. And you know, it's just packets. You just open them. And the, the only thing is that like, no matter how far away from the packet you are, when you open it, some of it invariably goes up your nose. Oh boy. Like in it, it just suddenly I have to sneeze, which I mean, it's not a great time to be sneezing on things, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, good for the throat. I mean, I imagine gargle cough drops, away. It's called. Yeah. And, uh, cough drops would be too. Although I imagine they wouldn't make for great audio. No. We're like sitting here sucking on them, but man, I would go through a pack of cough drops every two weeks when I was a teacher, mm. just talking all day. Yeah. Cause yeah. your job is talking in a way that mine isn't like I do an RCR stories like once every like 
couple of months, except for this one, which was like a three part of one story. But, uh, and I do a little bit of singing, like I will record the songs in a block Mm -hmm. and then just not sing for like three weeks. Mm. So it's one of those things where like I could go a whole day without saying anything. Um, whereas I don't know to what extent you could. So it's that strange thing where I think like, Next time, like, if you don't get it, I'll bring some, like, just to try. True. You know? Yeah, I'd love to try it. Yeah. It'd be cool. MHT says, last stream, I asked which of the big three trucks you would get. You said Silverado for the LS. Yep. Now, which of the three big muscle cars would you get? Easy. S197 Mustang. Uh, pre-three valve. The ones that came with two valve. That, six-speed manual. Unless they came with a five-speed manual. Whatever. The manual one. That was another car I was thinking about getting a manual transmission car, but I don't know if you can get an S197 for less than 15,000. Um, you know, a Mustang GT, uh, which I think it was like 2008 or something like that when they came out with that design. No, I think it was 05. Yeah, because your 04 was the last of the SN95s. Uh, did they yeah. do one more year? Was it 05? I don't think they did another year. <laughs> okay. Um, to my knowledge, they didn't. Now, granted, see, if I had. If I had investigated my own car in the same way that I did Corvettes for this mm-hmm. documentary, then maybe I would be able to answer that more definitively. But eh. a quick search on no, if I do Craigslist now, I'm not going to answer any questions. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, hey, we got another Roman here uh, with Yen uh, saying, "I plan to buy my next second car. I wanted to buy a Civic Manual. That's a good choice." But in my price range, they're all high mileage or messed up or made or made in uh, Turkey or the UK. Someone gave me someone gave me an idea to buy a Lexus IS250 and automatic thoughts. My, well, Lexus IS250, that's going to be like a sports sedan or a sports coupe or, uh, with rear wheel drive. I mean, it's a Toyota with rear wheel drive. It's like a cheap it's like a cheap Mercedes, but it runs better. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a car. I mean, I don't know if they come with manuals. I say buy a Corolla with a stick shift if you're going to buy a Toyota. If the whole point, like if if the manual thing, because if you're going to a Civic manual to like a low-level luxury car. So I'm not sure where your thinking's at. Um. Those are two different things. Like if your main thing was a Civic with a stick, but you can't get one, then just get a Corolla with a stick. Um, and that'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, Corolla with a stick. Which ties into uh, someone in the live chat. Congratulations to Wallaby Party, who says they uh, just got my first car registered today, a 99 Corolla CE. Really Perfect. happy with it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You've got a car that will outlast everything. Follow, follow the maintenance schedule, fix problems before they don't happen, and that car is going to last almost as long as you do. I mean, heck, it's 90s. It's Radwood Fresh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the hourly B. Thank you for your generous donation. Do you think it's good or bad for a car to become a hero car if it's opposite to what the car is actually like or designed, such as an A A80 Super in Fast and the Furious? Well, okay, I can, or an E46 M3 GTR in East Pursuit North Modern. 
we can go further than that. We can just say DeLorean. People mm -hmm. think like the, the uninitiated think they're fast and they're not. It's good for the investors. It's bad for people who want them because now the price get Hollywood prices. But I think ultimately it's good. I think a buy to buy right now is what the Hawkeye with that weird front grill because it was in Baby Driver, that Subaru, uh, WRX, that. People didn't care about those things and now people kind of care about them because that movie. So someone in the regular chat uh, in the beginning was saying, what's your favorite uh, car movie? And I don't have one. My answer is usually the first 10 minutes of Baby Driver. Yeah. Like, there you go. It's great. It's, it's, it, it, I think someone, somebody else like had a, uh, had a YouTube channel who explained like, this is good storytelling and then there's not a lick of dialogue. Yeah. You know, everything about every single character and what you're in for from this, this sets it all up. Yeah. It, it may not be the beginning of uh, star Wars, a new hope where that one scene sets up everything you need to know. Yeah. But you know, it's for car, for car movie. It's great. I mean, it sets up enough and it's um, really a marvel of editing when you think about it, because mm -hmm. it's not just like a car's chase, like, you know, whatever it's setting, it's giving you information. And I always love seeing that kind of economy of, of visual language mm -hmm. that I, I just, I don't know. I marvel at how like Edgar Wright does that type of thing. Um, and it's one of those movies where I, I feel like the best car movies don't have sequels. Oh wait, did the French connection get a sequel? I'm pretty sure the French connection got a sequel. Mm. Although that was kind of, uh, it wasn't a car movie. It just had a really cool chase scene in it. Mm -hmm. So eh. yeah, I think Farrah wrote something about that, or maybe it was another Jalopnik thing that how, um, uh, bullet is a boring movie with a good car chase in it. Uh, did you see, ever see the movie Corvette summer with Mark Hamill? No, I've never. Did you? No, I, okay. and I keep meaning to just because, you know, I, that came out know. after star it Wars came out after a new hope, but before empire. Mm. So it was like 78, 79 around there. And so it's just weird because the poster, like it's a drawing. So you get like a really like hulked up because it's still, you know, we're drawing our posters. Yeah. Now. It's not that weird Photoshop with a million heads everywhere. Yeah. And you know, it's like Mark Hamill all like this. And then Annie Potts who goes on to be the secretary in ghostbusters, but mm. like younger and sort of presented as like the prototypical hot girl mm -hmm. is like sort of like wrapped around him, sort of like how, you know, in the, drawn poster like for a new hope i think the drew struzan poster mm. he's kind of uh, you got mark hamill with like abs the man has never yeah had. yeah yeah and uh you know lay it down there just like splayed out yeah you know it's just strange that that's kind of what they what the approach was even mm -hmm. though that's not really what you're getting but it's all over this like corvette that i guess the plot of the movie is he's trying to like build this ideal corvette over mm -hmm. the course of a summer. So I don't know. It's, eh, eh. I mean, I guess I'll watch it at some point. I mean, if you want to have a real movie about cars, it's going to have an entire hour, an entire hour of the movie just trying to get this fucking nut off. <laughs> I think there's like some classic car meme. It's like the realization you've been working on your car for an hour, but really it's just this one goddamn nut. Yeah. It won't come off like that. Yeah. 
Oh, Redline. Okay, yeah, there. That would be my uh, one of my car movies, like one of yeah. my favorite ones. Redline. There you go. Hourly B. Thank you for your donation. Says, do you think it's good or bad for a car that? Oh, we just talked about that. Sorry, Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Uh, thank you for your generous donation. Hello, twenty-four hour party people. Congratulations on getting out of Facebook jail. Oh yeah, mm. that's uh, it, yeah. Because basically, uh, Facebook. Um, like locked our official Facebook page in April because they couldn't verify my location because I run the Facebook page, which I mean, running it is kind of a weird misnomer because all I do is just post our videos and mm -hmm. whatever else on there. But uh, it's been what, like four and a half months and they answered my one support email and it was basically to redirect me to the help page oh, for, for the shit I already tried. And I told him it didn't work. And then I responded after a week that I didn't get a response. Hey, it didn't work. Somebody help. And then I forgot about it. And then a month went by. I said, all right, still not working. Somebody help me. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. And then just like yesterday, last night, like my, my posting, somehow I got a notification about the page um, like that someone had posted and I accidentally clicked on it. But when it took me there, I noticed that the post icon was available again. Mm. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not in Facebook jail anymore. That's mm -hmm. cool. Um, I mean, kind of late to sort of um, promote this past Monday's video. So here's this Mustang I found yeah. at the mm -hmm. Hudson Valley Film Fest that we won yeah. inexplicably. But thank you, thank you. to everyone who voted. Oh, uh, my question is, if the Ford F-Series Ranger uh, with the indirect direct uh, injection was the Guns N' Roses from 1980, what trucks represent Alice in Chains in the 90s? Alice in Chains never struck me as a band that would drive a truck. Yeah, that, they seem... Dodge more... Rampage, honestly. Like a truck that isn't a truck. Like... Anybody who's like the vibe I get from Alice in Change is people who just live their life one car crash at a time. <laughs> like they buy the $100 car, never register. They just drive around and do the Joey Diaz thing. How you can't get in trouble if you don't. Like the worst, like in, if everything is shady about your car, don't even drive with a license and, and give a fake name. Ah. Like you have no paperwork at all yeah. and no fingerprints and anything. Of course, now I guess like you're biometrics are somehow involved and just say you have you have no identification at all no no reference to this car at all so the worst they do is take away your 300 dollars car <laughs> and like book you under a fake name and of course now there's things i guess you can't do that allison change was just uh struck me as disastrous individuals so a disaster pickup is a dodge rampage <laughs> which is really a ute yeah more or less Got a question that you can get started while I fix myself another drink. Lo-fi camping guy says, this is a big one. This is an entire college course with one prerequisite, which is probably advanced comp ah. as the prerequisite. How do you describe American transcendentalism? Ooh. There we go. I mean, it's funny because my thesis was on American exceptionalism, but I can't think of how I would explain american transcendentalism uh ugh. i'm going to google because i am a hack um eh. 
I don't know. That's that doesn't really seem like the answer to me because they're saying that it's, you know, the Emerson uh, Thoreau whole deal about, you know, sociology and nature and all that, you know, the, it's like a, a, it is like a response to the notion of sort of nihilism. That was how I always took it to be is that like, it's a response to despair and the idea that we all inherently suck as people, um, which I don't think is the case, uh, obviously. But let's see. What we now know as transcendentalism first arose among the liberal New England Congregationalists who departed from Orthodox Calvinism in two respects. They believed in the importance and efficacy of human striving as opposed to the bleaker Puritan picture of complete and inescapable human depravity. So, uh, I don't know. I guess that is in the ballpark, but as it relates to sort of the American movement of it, I would imagine that it has to do with getting back to the basics of nature and the individual and, you know, uh, I don't want I got an, I got another gin martini. And if I'm going to establish regular car reviews as the greatest automotive channel and the greatest car journalist, when we do take over from top gear, probably when we're like, when I'm like 48, if I can do this before I'm 50, fantastic. And if I can, I'll just start taking TRT like Joe Rogan and still look young. Now, American trans, you're asking me to condense an entire literary and art and cultural movement into a less than a minute stuff that you would take two, two full, a full two semesters, fall and spring at like 300 level courses, uh, and condense that in the amount of time it takes me to take three sips of this. American transcendentalism is the idea that the concept of you can change. Did you read the Scarlet Letter? No? Okay. Woman commits adultery, or as we call it today, sleeping around. Has a kid? Oops, it happens. But in back then, they take, oh, your punishment is to wear the letter A, and how you got to wear this little thing now in different, whatever. She has a little piece of fabric, has a letter A on it, everybody's supposed to shun her. Ugh. So through the course of that novel, Nathaniel Hawthorne describes this lady who is immediately shunned because, oops, she had a kid out of wedlock, What now whatever. Um becomes a good person and does good deeds throughout the entire story. So that A stopped in the, in, in the, the town, stopped seeing the letter A as meaning adulteress and started meaning able. People loved her for that. And then at one point she like, they let her take the A off and then her kid who had, you know, grown up, you know, a few years now got all weird and started yelling. And like, she didn't like that the A was gone because that was like part of, part of the mom. Now, so the idea of, of you can change and your position in life can change. We had to invent the concept of individuality during the Renaissance. Individuality, capital I as a concept, didn't exist in the Middle Ages or some people call it the dark ages. And then before that, 
your lot in life was supposed to be there. And some people kind of want to believe that because it's comforting and puts you in a gear. And some people like being inside of a transmission. So transcendentalism is the idea that you are not fixed. You are not a fixed point in space and time. Now I'm getting very scientific about it. People back then didn't have the not didn't have the language to do that. So sip number two, they wrapped it all up in God. If God said you're forgiven, then that means that you, the concept of you, transcends the labels that you that were put on you at birth. You can change. And the idea of like a culture and everything can change. That's it. That's transcendentalism. You can change. What a concept. There you go. That's American transcendentalism. And also we perfected it by the idea of going west and discovering the great unknown. The idea of going back to nature. Now, this is the very beginning of the industrial revolution, stuff like that. Yes. No, no, no. Just uh, I just realized Fourth, through a third sip, I'm done. Yeah. I just realized that if you wanted to sum that up in even just one sip, mm -hmm. it's the end speech from Rocky Four. <laughs> if I can change, you can change. We all we'll can change. change. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing that? Um, mm. But yeah. It's uh, transcendentalism kicks people into gear, and some people want to be in a transmission. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that is a great line, but <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a man, but I can change if I have to, I guess. I am a man, I can change because I want to. That's the thing. And now I, you know, the matrix is like people saw, like I read a philosophy book, Knox. Why do you persist? Because I choose to. You know, there you go. Not bad for a $2 answer. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Crutchfield says, you mentioned soon reviewing a 62 galaxy. Is it still imminent? Yeah, we have the footage. I thought it was a 62. In fact, it's a 63. You're a Falcon guy and I'm a Fairlane guy, so it's relevant to both our interests. Dude, there's a, there's a Fairlane sitting at Bruce's right now. Uh, it's a 289 factory Fairlane. Uh, I think it has the, um, the, uh, the three-speed auto in it. It looks pretty good. Um, and it's clearly, yes, Falcon base. They just stretched everything. In retrospect, we probably could have had a Fairlane too. Um, Fairlane kind of has a boxy rear end to it, so it's a little odd. But you put them next to each other, it's like, yeah, these are clearly the same car. Um, yep, Fairlanes are great. Hey, it's Eric Pedersen. Eric and I had a phone call earlier. Uh, he said, this one is for one of those expensive local six packs of beer. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Um, hope you're both doing well. Yep, we're doing well. Can't wait to come out there and see a new place. Yeah, come on by. Um, soon we'll have accommodations for, if you count that couch behind us, someone sleeps on the couch, that's one. Guest bedroom, two. You know, the other guest bedroom, that's three people. The attic, futon. So if everybody wants their own bed-like thing, I, I can have four guests. If two of those guests are a couple and want to sleep together, that brings the account to five. And if someone really wants to sleep in the tent in the attic, that brings the account uh, brings the uh, guest accommodations at this house to six people. Mm. Um, I mean, it is a proper house. Like in the because when you said like I got a house, I'm thinking like if if I got a house, that mm. it would be the bare minimum of a house. Mm. But it's uh, yeah, no, it's a proper house. It's almost too much house. Well, I mean, clearly it's too much house for one person, but the idea is that the house can now make money. Yeah. Um, ideally, like, I would rather have less house and more garage, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like, this third floor attic is a little bit extravagant. 
yeah. like like having the futon way in the attic. Although it does remind me of like the college attic. You would go into those houses. Yeah. And it would just that's the place you smoke weed. Yeah. And I kind of want to make that theme going up there. I need to get like a like an old carpet flag from Ollie's or something like that. Mm. But there is no there's no outlets in the attic. So whatever you have to have on there has to run off like of a battery pack. Yeah. I mean, there's one hanging light bulb up there and then that's it. Um, <laughs> just that's classic. Just the one hanging, hanging light, light bulb. Good idea. Bad idea. <laughs> um, William Bazitserski uh, says, what is your most nostalgic year and why? Uh, I'm going to give you two. 1997, the ultimate year. And also 2001, 2002 was like, or yeah, 2000, 2001, 2001 to 2002, even despite 9-11, that was a pretty fun year, but it was college. It was sophomore year. Yeah. And you know, you had my whole crew there in Lehigh 300 and yeah, I missed that. But also I was still learning myself. Who's this now? Who's this now pulling up? Mm. Massachusetts license plate. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it, chowder. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Eric. Um, mine is and uh, William. Okay. So, so the ninety what well, ninety six actually. Yeah, nineteen ninety six was great, and then strangely enough, two thousand six because for me that was uh, the whole college thing. Um, sophomore year. Um, wait, no, that was junior year for me. Um, no, 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 sophomore. There we go. Okay, yeah, sophomore year of college. Everything was on point. Um, you know, yeah, I had my crew. I had the whole going out to the bars. I had the nights that were always something adventurous happening. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I I didn't think it at the time that I was uh, better with women then. But in hindsight, <laughs> you know, because you look back and the benefit of hindsight really, like, nicks you. Yeah. And it makes you think, but you know, it was, it was a good year. It's a good year. I mean, I had the flu. That was the last time I had the flu. Actually, I was boiling yeah. inside of my own skin. And I also had a pilonidal cyst, which is Ugh. a cyst that is on that like thin, um, patch of skin. That's just above your butthole. Huh? Yeah. Had to get it lanced and everything. It was wow. great. Wow. Went to the student doctor. I'm like, this really hurts. Can we, can we do something about, well, I could like give you the antibiotics, but I could take it, lance it. Yeah. And then give me the antibiotics. Just, um, I'll live. Um, yeah. I, I just need to not, I need to be able to sit down. <laughs> I need you to do that for me. Nice. I remember I went to the, the campus doctor when I got a secondary burn. I think we talked about this. Which arm is it on? Yeah. It's on this arm. It never went away. Well, I mean, the scar is still there. Oh, eh. you know, where the hot thing i would do this weird flip when i'd take the fry basket out of the fryer and dump the fries ah. in the thing for when i work fast food on campus and i did this flip and just the edge of it just caught me there and it was like ah that's hot man that's dumb but you know it doesn't hurt at first because it just burns away all the uh nerves i'm like well that sucks and then like later it's like ow and then it got all weird and pussy because i'm an idiot and i didn't I didn't put a bandage on it or everything. I was like, well, that's stupid, but it kind of looks cool. Yeah, you're just gonna and then like, this, this is festering and stuff like that. And like the um the uh the the campus doctor was like, 
put a bandaid on that. <laughs> yeah, it's like the 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 wound version of Spike Spiegel leaving that lobster in the fridge for too long. Oh, yeah. I never saw that episode, but I know it, it was a weird episode and grosses me out to this day. But the uh, I almost am kind of jealous because I wanted to work in the student union, like mm -hmm. on campus, but I never they never would hire me for whatever wow. reason. And I just wanted to let me work in a bookstore. Let me do it's just let me not work at like this random place where the only people that I'm going to see are people who are just like, uh, I don't know. It's what just, job was it? Well, it was like tutoring, but it wasn't oh. on campus. It was like a kind of weird um, thing where I was dealing with a lot of parents and I'm not good with parents mm. um, unless I'm dating their daughter, then I'm wonderful with parents. Nice. But that's like, I just don't, man, that's going to make a messed up waveform. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> MHT says another question. What, what is the dynamic between you two as far as owning RCR goes and the decisions for the channel? Um, well, if you want to talk, um, legality RCR is owned by me. Uh, the company belongs to me and Nick is an independent contractor writing for RCR. Yeah. And That's kind of it. People ha will message me about the cars and I always tell them like, I don't make decisions about the cars. I can offer like, Hey Brian, if you get him an email about this, yeah, put it in the thing like, and, or if, it's as simple as me telling Brian, Hey, I made a video about this team. you know, yeah. it's very much like a partnership in all, but name for legal purposes. Well, I mean, I'm still an employee. Well, not an employee, independent contractor, mm -hmm. but it all comes out as though I were like an employee. Right. Like I feel like I'm as much a part of it as you are, mm -hmm. which is important because it allows us kind of like maximize the partnership in a way that allows um uh like if you need a break like yeah. i can do a video mm -hmm. you know if i need to like not be around for whatever reason you can do your thing yeah um it very much is like two people that create this necessary framework of what rcr is but as far mm -hmm. as like the ultimate decision making goes like if we go on a trip like brian's booking all of that mm -hmm. you know because i'm not like you, you know what i mean like it's just it because it all goes on the business account mm -hmm. so it's and which thankfully you guys are paying for now granted we're not going to be going anywhere for obvious right. reasons but um Man, it, we're gonna have like so much just like untouched money in the travel budget when once this yeah. is yeah like we'll, we'll just have to go all out of just like you know RCR Japan RCR um, yeah uh, when when Americans are welcome yeah and when it's when I don't feel when I no longer feel that us traveling as Americans to other countries would make the locals feel unease because that's kind of how i feel now we got to learn accents even if it's like as simple as a canadian a boat mm -hmm. a boat mm -hmm. um or going to the yeah pad. ivan says to come to like hey canada you i mean we can come to canada but we'd have to like live in his house for two weeks yeah, yeah. Mm. i mean i'm sure it's a, it's a nice house yeah um stocked to the gills with Lacroix. so 
that that's nice. And you know, but yeah. it's just one of those things of like once you travel, you don't have choices of what you can really do. Right. Like if you go up there, you can't really do anything. Nope. Um, there's nothing more to do up there than there is down here. Right. So it's just a tough where do you want to order food from? Yeah. Like, is there anybody who can come over? Like we'd go up there and we'd do the podcast just from the laptop with the built-in mic. It's like that's it's like, hey, it's just normal RCR. We're just in a different location and we'd have to like hang out in someone's house for a week. Whereas doing this domestically, I mean, in the, we can travel within the tri-state area, uh, which really means, uh, I don't know the conditions with New York State, well, quad state area. So we're in Pennsylvania. So we got New York, Ohio, Maryland, Jersey, Delaware, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Oh, right. Delaware exists. Um, like in this sort of general area, which is plenty to do around here. I still never been to Erie. Um, or do that Camry build or Camry freshen up and try to sell again project. Eh, so yeah, I was, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, that's it. I was watching, um, uh, an episode of Caso Cerrado, which is one of my favorite shows. It's like basically Spanish judge Judy, except, um, and I don't think they're even the least bit subtle about this. It is entirely fake. Um, but well, some of it is mostly real cases that are being acted out mm. because the actual people involved aren't going to, you know, they just change names and everything, mm -hmm. but it's a great show. It's like judge Judy, but it doesn't suck. And so on one of them, it was this woman who claimed that she was, uh, pre had precognition. And one of her things was, she and this is an old episode of there in like 2016. Mm -hmm. She said like, oh, by 2021, Americans will become the new immigrants who aren't welcome anywhere. I'm like, huh? How eerily prescient. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Maybe she did have a little bit of the gift. Yeah. But I just the the context of that entire case was super dark and yeah. less said about it the better. Hmm. Shin Goose, uh, speaking of Canada, hello. Follows the advice, gets a Corolla, a 9811 uh, BZR. Great daily, but I live by highways. Should I also buy a Nissan 200ZR? Do we even get them in the US? Uh, I'm in university until 2021, though. Well, I mean, 11 is going to be fine as a daily because that's kind of what they are. they were made to be. You're going to have, you may have some problems in the rain there because that's a light rear wheel drive car, unless you have all seasons on there. That'll give you a chance. No, no, you shouldn't. If you're in university, even in the weird state universities are in there, the point of university is to build skills, not collect cars. Hmm. You have a lifetime to do that. No, keep your car. Good question, though. Thanks. I stink. There's a familiar face. Your comments on that fried ham gave me post-traumatic stress disorder to frozen pizza that I once had that called that called itself keto-friendly. It used chicken as the crust. So Wait, you, wait. How do you use chicken as the crust? Sounds like you just got chicken parm then. Yeah. I mean, there are- Which doesn't I, sound bad, but chicken parm cannot be microwaved. That's, that's oven only. Yeah, no. Well, actually- 
I kind of get it now in the sense that I get those advertisements on Facebook for those keto friendly um, rotisserie chicken chips. So I imagine if huh. whatever they do to crackerize chicken, chicken jerky, it's not chicken. even, it's like crispy, supposedly. I mean, I haven't had it. It's weird. I get it. It's chicken skin that they just fried. <laughs> it's, it's pork rinds, but chicken. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's weird because all the different ads that I get are all about keto products promoted by really pretty women. There's like this uh, <laughs> keto chow, like blended. I got tits by the product. No, it's not even that. It's like just really pretty faces. So there's like keto chow where it's like the whole ad is Rapunzel is trying to sell you this like weird thing because the prince is too heavy to climb the whatever. And then uh, the other one was uh, fat snacks which had like, I was totally enamored of the fat snacks girl, but not in a way where it's like, you know, you're ever gonna like try to figure out who it is. It's just like, oh, okay, that's a cute person. And, but she was almost like Yuffie in Final Fantasy seven in the sense that you would only ever run across an ad that had her in it mm. one out of every seven times, the same way that when you go looking for Yuffie in the forest, you only run into her one out uh, of every seven okay. times. And so, yeah, um, definitely a dork. So, Moving on to the next question. Uh, question from the regular chat. Um, Gary Uduber says, what is my daily driver? My daily driver is a pre-facelift Subaru Forester. That's it. Do you drive a fancy thing? Nope, I drive a $5,000 Subaru Forester. That's it. And that's the camera car for RCR and my daily. Go over just today to go pick up gin. Hmm. Nourishing gin. gin, nourishing, cleaning product, drinkable mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> I should go get a Sharpie and just write that on my bottle of Gildy's. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm going to do that now because I'm going to make a third martini. Do it. Um, I took your advice. Oh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Bauer says, I took the advice you always give. I now own a manual 1990 Miata and a manual 2011 Toyota Corolla. I couldn't be happier. Thank you for making me laugh. Hey, hey, enjoy your cars. You got two great ones right there. Here, here. Um, um, while you go do that, I am going to kind of uh, skip ahead to a question that will allow me to kill time while you make your uh, thing. It is, yes. So basically the question, or not really a question, but uh, we'll get to it eventually. It was someone mentioning that the best car poem is She Being Brand New by E.E. E. Cummings, who I did study in high school and whose formatting always drove me nuts, but whatever. I'm going to read it for you until Brian gets back. I know this is literal torture for like half of you, maybe 75%, but whatever. This is what it is. Welcome to the world. So... She, bleh, she being brand new, and you, no consequently a little stiff I was, careful of her, and having thoroughly oiled the universal joint, tested my gas, felt of her radiator, made sure her springs were, oh, okay, okay, this is what I mean about formatting, I went right to it, flooded the carburetor, cranked her up, slipped the clutch, and then somehow got into reverse. She kicked what the hell next minute. I was back in neutral, tried and again, 
slowly, barely, nudging my lever right O, and her gears being in A one shape, passed from low through, second into high like greased lightning, just as we turned the corner of Divinity Avenue. I touch the accelerator and give her the juice. Good. It was the first ride and believe I was happy to see how nice she acted right up to the last minute coming back down by the public gardens I slammed on. The internal expanding and external contracting brakes bothatons and brought all of her trembling to a dead stand still. That was terrible. That, that, that was terrible. But, uh, yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. I love poetry. And I, but I should have mentioned and prefaced beforehand that I hate E.E. E. Cummings. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, but I, I mean, I mean, it wasn't terrible. That's an overreaction. Uh, but, and I know for a fact that I couldn't do better. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm just not an E.E. E. Cummings fan. Um, and I remember getting into it with a friend of mine who was like, basically, like, we really were about to throw down two 16-year-olds about to throw down over E.E. E. Cummings. And I'm like, dude, why are you getting so mad about this? I just don't like E.E. E. Cummings. He's like, well, you're not smart enough to understand E.E. E. Cummings. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm not smart, but I don't like the motherfucker. Like, I mean, or the, you know, the shit that he, it's just whatever. But um, I don't know. Like poetry, it's sort of something, it's a, a something that you either feel strongly about or you don't. And mm. I mean, there are some poems I like and they're probably the ones that everybody likes because yeah. I'm not that inventive in terms of the literature I like. My favorite novel of all time is East of Eden, followed closely by Sister Carrie. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, God only knows. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, poems. Yeah. I like rap better than poems, even though they're both the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, rap I love because it's such um I feel the, the, like it engages in wordplay more, more a yeah. lot of the time. It and it's and it exists in a finite time. There's no time to con contemplate. You have to be way more efficient to get your point across. Now granted something like What was I listening to recently? Like some of them you can, some of them change meaning over time, like bombs over Baghdad. Yeah. Because that was written pre 9-11. Yeah. And it they were really talking, I believe, about the music industry. But then during the Iraq war, that became a rallying cry that kind of outcasts like didn't want the song to be about that. But it worked lyrically on a lower level because it was such a fast song. Yeah. You know, don't pull a thing out unless you plan to bang. <laughs> there was a fatalistic nature 
about that, that something's about to happen and we're in it. Yeah. I mean, so it was simultaneously like what you had this whole bit thing about like new historicism, like it doesn't, it's not up to you now. It changes meaning. And it's still a great song. And I listen to it at the gym all the time. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and like, I love the idea of wordplay. And that's why like I rap so rarely because I don't want to rap unless I can do something in the same vicinity of wordplay. Like, okay. So uh for last week the monte carlo video i did a rap and that one was something where it took me a million takes and i'm like i don't know how actual rappers do this mm. and i was flying through all these references that i wasn't entirely sure people were gonna get so it's like and this is just me being an asshole but like okay monte carlo in the house like a new show it don't need to act all good like a blue nose blue nose being someone who's like kind of stuck up mm -hmm. and then gonzo but i'm not a hunter s pro though mm -hmm. so gonzo the muppet and then gonzo oh, the, the hunter yeah. s thompson yeah. you know got the hunter the penwood fjord motor company we fresh out of norway fjords, <laughs> and like all this stuff and down to kind of like um you know, my mind is fermenting like I gone Zamalek because that's like <laughs> the act of fermenting. And then, um, you know, call me diacritic because I'll maybe diacritic. You can find nice. me. And a diacritic is like the kind of um, like the, the symbol or accent over a letter. So I'm like, you'll find oh, me over, shit. you'll find me over E like I never needed rehab. So it's like that yeah. thing of like. You need to give yourself more credit, man. Yeah. This is good. And then I followed it up. That was just a cute line really more acute line because acute is like <laughs> yeah, yeah. another term for those things that are over there. And it's just like, but I can only do that once, like every six months. There are rappers who literally put that out every like yeah. six days yeah. who are just like wordplay to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And I just wish that I could like do that. And maybe like if I listened to more rap and got more in the head or the mind space of someone who can actually mm -hmm. like do this more frequently, mm -hmm. like maybe I could, it's a skill I could develop because mm -hmm. I don't imagine anyone born with it, no. but still it's like something cool that, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tristan green says coffee money for this week. Yeah. I need to, now that I got that espresso machine, I have more opinions about gourmet coffee. Um, thank you for the FBRX7 vid. I'll need to name my quarantine project the pullout method. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Tremendous. Good line. Thank you for your generous donation. Oh, I need another one. Matthew Skeet says, with a generous donation, thank you, 20 bucks. Thank you for everything. Just resume uh, therapist grad school yesterday night. Two questions. Mr. Regular, advice for writing prompts to practice writing analysis. Advice for writing prompts to, but you mean you're writing the writing prompt and then writing the answer to it? And then a question for Roman when he gets back. Mr. R, advice for writing prompts to practice writing analysis. So, I mean, are you given writing prompts and you have to do it? Or are you making the writing prompt to practice writing analysis? Uh, I'll go to why I assume that I'll give you one for both. Like if you're given a writing prompt, as long as you end with whatever that is, you're normally good. So you get the writing prompt and I just work backwards from there. Uh, like you already have the destination of the road trip that you have to get through with pen and paper, pencil and paper in my case. 
just write yourself a roadmap how to get there and then just fill in the blanks. Like this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. You know, comedy, rule of threes. Now, if you're writing your own writing prompt and writing on your own time, then do like the comedy method where you dig yourself a hole and find a way how to get out of it. Like John dies in the end or something like that. Or I got to fix a tire, but I don't have a jack. So how do you do that? Well, let's say you have a woodcutter's axe. You can keep making wedges out of wood and like wedge up your car that way from either side. And then you get it up and then you put it on. Um, of course, I'm speaking in abstracts right here. What you want is first write this and then write that. Um, so physically, I say get a notebook. You have your writing prompt. Write your deus ex machina ending and then write your middle ex machina, middle part, and then you know you only have to get to the middle part and the middle part sets you up for the end part. And that's how you get it. Every guy asking about writing prompts, like how do you do it? But he didn't say whether or not he's writing his own writing prompts. You want a hand with that? Uh, I just needed to pop that open a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, and then he had a two-part question. Question for Roman. What is the best Mass Effect series love interest? Um... And he mm. asked, who would Mr. R choose? And I guess he's smart enough to know that I never played Mass Effect. And I don't have, I only, the only thing I know about Mass Effect is you can either play as a guy and a girl and the name's the same. Yeah. Um, well, it, like, it's also something where I, I would almost recommend that you give that series a shot after Skyrim. But the thing is that you can't, it's not for turning your brain off because it's very story driven. But ah. um, it's very much a, uh, uh, very satisfied. Like my people say that like the trilogy ends badly. And um, my thing is that I loved all the stories, but it's such a pain in the ass to say that it, it wasn't the sort of um, it's not the, the ending it's the journey, but it really was the journey because all the little character beats in there, they all get satisfied. Most of them get satisfying payoffs. And I really, depending on the choices you make again, whether or not the game ends up being satisfying depends on the choices that you make. Uh, but to answer the question, it's um, probably either Liara or Tali Zora. Um, now, granted, I didn't play uh femme Shep. I played male Shep. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can, cause they, like, if you wanted to, what, what was the guy's name? Like Caden Alenko, one of the guys who could die, one of the Veermeyer guys who could die. And um, they have, you know, sort of straight storylines. They have gay storylines. It doesn't really matter. Um, so it's really cool. And uh, yeah. It's it's one of my or was one of my favorite game series, but it's also a series where once I was done with it, I had no uh, impulse to ever revisit it. Kind of mm -hmm. like I did with Bioshock. So I, I played Bioshock Infinite like three times, and even then, it's kind of like it's not even like it was such an extraordinary story. Um, but I just really enjoy those worlds. Mm. Yeah, the um. The blank shock theory. Actually, no. System shock two. 
there was no grand reveal of the world in front of you because it was all on that spaceship. Yeah. So, so yeah, the second one really revealed the world in the beginning and the third one did it better and Skyrim did it even better than that. Oh yeah. Skyrim has like a shitload of world. I'm like, I'm playing that now. Of course I have like game of the year edition. My brother got me because now 10 years on Yeah. Led Zeppelin. So the, even the reveal from that was like, damn, this is 10 year old graphics. Yeah. This holds up, man. It really does. Speaking of holding up, uh, Zach plays games asks, what is your opinion of an 04 Chevy Tahoe? I think it's fantastic. The interior is junk and the best part is the engine and transmission. As long as you have the 4L80, 4L80 transmission and not the 4L60. I mean, the 4L60 is fine if you don't do anything to the engine at all. Um, but 4L60s like to break once you hop up LS engines. <laughs> you know, when you're done, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing either you're thinking of getting it or you have one. If you already have it, great. When it comes time to junk that car, pay a shop $500 to yank the engine out and give it to you on a pallet because <laughs> that engine itself is worth like $400. And then scrap the rest of the car for like $200 in scrap and then say, hey, I have an LS engine and a transmission. Here's how much mileage is on. I'm asking $400 for it. Someone gives you $350 and it's like scrapping two Tahoes at once. Brilliant. Mm. Quick Silverman Blue says the first chase in the transporter. That manual seven series was hot. Yeah. Big car with a manual. Like it. I still low key want one. Yeah. I mean, there's forms. You can figure it out, but that's definitely I have a garage and a space for that thing to sit because that's the thing about, you know, German car builds. They're going to sit for a while. It's not like an American car build where you can just throw the entire summit racing catalog in it and have that thing done with a week, as long as you don't care about money. Oh, I'm, I'm willing to eat shit over this, but I've never seen a movie with Jason Statham. No transporter, no expendables. No. Was he in the first gone in 60 seconds? Was that him? Oh, was he? Um, like the gone in 60 seconds remake with Nick cage. Yeah. In 60 seconds cast. Jason Statham is one of these guys who, like, you have an action movie, he's there. I like that he was in The Expendables. Or uh, one of The Expendables he was in. Doesn't appear that he was in it. Okay. Um, unless they're just listing everyone in the world before him, which seems strange. Does he have a Cockney accent or does it something else? Or does he put on an affectation of a... I'm not good at depicting where accents are from. Mm. Um, I mean, I can tell an Irish person from a Scot, but that's about it. Mm. Uh, Speaking of Scott, Scott says, hey. hey guys, no question, but thank you for your, thank you for your, uh, thank you for your donation. Thank you. C-T-A-C-T-O-A-C-U, go to, uh, says, hi, RCR, big fan. I just bought a bucket hat. Hey, thanks for buying the bucket hats. You have any convention or event horror stories like people not showing up, hotel issues, travel, et cetera? Not really, no. I mean, I have no travel stories. I don't know what... I asked Tony Airlines about this. Like, how come everybody's talking about having all these trouble with an airlines? I've never had a trouble with an airline at all, ever. 
six years of RCR, we have no travel hiccups in the sky. It's like you show up here, ticket, get plane. Yeah. Occasionally they're delayed. In which case, go get something to eat or take a big shit or listen to a podcast or go, go take a walk. Go to the bar, get you a drink. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't overdo it. And you, you, you have your bags. If they're checked, the bags end up where they are. One time the bags weren't there. This is pre-RCR. And I'm like, my bag isn't here. And I'm like, what's your bag look like? This is what it looks like. Okay, we'll mail it to you. <laughs> like two days later, like FedEx just shows up with, here's your bag and there's a FedEx sticker on it. <laughs> Ding dong, here's your bag. Okay, fine. And I asked Tony about that and said, yeah, like some people just have no logistic skills. They can't show up for the plane. They don't know the rules. Like their bags, like stuff's falling off of their bags. Yeah. Or they're flying a low cost carrier. You. He says, that's the thing. You kind of want to fly United, Delta, or American. Technically, Delta or American, or maybe Virgin. But Virgin doesn't operate in the same way it used to. But in that, It's not at every airport. But even when we were flying coach every flight, like, there were still no issues. No. We were, I mean, yeah, we were shoulder to shoulder. But, like, I sleep through everything. Um, And I don't know. You still get, like, a hot nuts wait no you didn't get yeah, it's coach. First class, yeah i was yeah. gonna say yeah um but still it, but it, still like like coach on new zealand the first time new zealand air that was fed. fine yeah they gave, they like came around i don't think i drank anything but they still in coach they came around with wine yeah did you have any wine yeah okay. i had a little thing of wine, or did i have coffee i might have had both now that i think of it mm. like but um it's just a really well, I mean, also it's taking measures, not necessarily being there on time, but uh, at least for the first few trips that we took on airplanes for RCR, um, we always made it a habit to dress up for it. Yeah. Because people sort of, um, it's not that and you like go dress through, up. I mean, shirt and tie. Yeah. That's like, it. That's it. Like, I'm wearing car. I'm wearing cargo shorts, but they're gray. Yeah. You know, or cargo shorts, uh, cargo pants. Yeah. And I, was, I would wear jeans, but yeah. it would just be a dress shirt and a tie and that's it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, because people, it's not like they're going to put you through faster. It's just that you, people don't notice you. And the, the whole idea is that, you know, if you don't stand out, it's like no one really cares. It's like, yeah. here's your ticket, just whatever. Like you're not setting off alarms. You're yeah. not up to anything suspicious which is not to say that like you know anybody deserves to be bugged for anything i think the most problems that i've ever had on an airplane was that i slept through the distribution of the cards right for when you're entering the country and so when i get there i'm like well i didn't fill one of these out all right you gotta go around to the place and fill out yeah. and ask for this form and blah blah mm -hmm. blah and so it was just one long rigmarole uh but other than that you know it's been nice I have this picture on my Instagram of me holding four Bombay Sapphire mini drinks, like the little bottles of gin. I asked for a gin martini and they gave me four of them. And the caption was, this is why I dress up. This is why I dress nice for an airplane and play and say, and say, please, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. At all times you do like basic human, human interaction shit. And look at this. I get like, hey, here's extra booze. You're cool. You know, yeah. that's it. Uh, and yeah, my daily ups upload uh, says, watch up in the air, do what Clooney says in the scene where he schools his protege on airline travel. And it's like, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're completely Mr. Efficiency. 
Yeah. From beginning to end. I get all of my, before we're TSA pre, by the way, get TSA pre. And which really just means no belt and they're a little bit nicer to you. But like all my stuff is already out of my pockets before, like in uh, Philly, where we're normally flying out of TSA pre is all, last time I checked, was all at terminal C. No, it's terminal B. Oh. A or B. Yeah, terminal B is where TSA pre is now. It used to be terminal C. Or used to be Terminal C. They had the TSA pre-line and the regular line because Terminal C is like the biggest terminal. It's in the middle of Philly. Mm. But now they moved all TSA pre to uh, to Terminal B. Um, it doesn't matter what terminal you go to. They all lead to the airport. So you just go wherever the desk is. And most and ter, uh, Philadelphia Airport is mostly American Airlines anyway because it's an American Airline hub. So... When you go into Philly Airport, all the check-in desks are on the first floor and the airport itself is on the second floor, like the whole terminal second floor. So once you get your ticket, you have to go upstairs, an elevator or an escalator to get to security to get into the terminal. So before I'm like in line, I'm there at the bottom of the escalator where there's lots of room and benches and stuff. Yeah. I'm there taking stuff out of my pockets taking my watch off everything else just goes in my bag the only thing that's on my person is and like my jacket comes off i wear a i wear one of those puffy jackets that collapses into a tiny little bag that goes into my carry-on so the only thing that's on my person i have my tie and i have a dress shirt and in my pocket the only thing in my pocket is my bear driver's license and my boarding pass that's it or i think i have like I think even my phone is in my bag, my phone, my wallet, my keys, everything. Yeah. So I just, and I reach right into my breast pocket, pull out the two things, hand it to whoever asks, and my entire bag plop goes on the bag, it goes through. Occasionally, I don't even have to wait for my phone to come through. It's just all in the bag. Most people don't want your laptops to come out. In the event my laptop comes out, my bag has its own laptop slot. Shoop, it comes out that goes on a thing it's an apple for it's this it's this laptop i mean no one cares about an old eye but an, an eye book with a bunch of stickers on it it goes through i'm literally no problem tie short hair you know horn rim glasses yes sir no sir boom right through and occasionally i get the quad i get the quad s like at least with american you get your boarding pass actually it doesn't care your boarding passes are all the same if you get quad S, it means selective something, something, something. So if you get your boarding pass and there's four S's on it, I always get the paper one, even if I give them my phone, because you can see if you get the four S's on there, that means you're getting pulled aside. So you could brace your, you can be ready for that and just have nothing on it. And just have you been anywhere? No, no, no. And and then you go through it. So, you know, it's the people who, and this is a very Jocko Willink sort of way, it's people who get their egos all up in a dander that have problems. I actually feel, uh, what. I mean, I kind of laughed the two times that I got, you know, random screening or, yeah. or you have been selected for extra screening. And I'm just kind of like, oh, so I'm special. It's kind of like that bad dad joke of like, well, it's not skin. Oh, I guess it's free that every yeah. person who's ever worked in retail or has yeah. heard and hates. Um, uh, oh, Doge dog in the regular chat mentions that in Philly, you can technically clear pre-check at all the terminals. 
Oh, um, okay. Which I did not know, um, but it depends on the time of day. If it is not busy, there's no real need for it there. So, mm -hmm. um, but we've always gone through like the same general checkpoint. Yeah, Terminal B. Yeah. It's always really fast because Terminal B is all TSA pre. There's no regular thing. Yeah. I have this, I might've mentioned it last podcast. I have a video that won't release until 2022 because that's as far ahead as I can schedule it. It is my journal from RCR Phoenix mm. where I talked about the very beginning of the quarantine. And I think the further we get away from it that I can delay that thing, the more entertaining it's going to be. Yeah, that's genius. Um, because we were talking about uh, fear and loathing on the campaign trail earlier today and how it was all written, written without the benefit of hindsight. That journal is written without the benefit of hindsight. I wrote it as the quarantine was beginning, as Phoenix, Arizona was getting shut down and we're flying out of it back to Philly. Yeah. So the longer I delay on releasing that journal, the better it's going to be. So lost my train of thought. Where, where was I? Uh, we were talking about uh, planes and travel and yeah. pre-check. I always found it. Oh, oh yeah, Terminal B. Yeah. Some people don't know that Terminal B is all TSA pre despite the signs. Mm. So they have someone there asking if they're TSA pre. So there's an up escalator and the down escalator going up to Terminal B. And my favorite is seeing dejected people going down that escalator, realizing they're not terminal. And the only way to get to Terminal C where they fucking belong <laughs> is to go outside, got to walk on the sidewalk, breathe in all the diesel fumes, and then go back inside. There's no interior way to walk from B to C at PHL. I mean, at least for customers, that's not. Dicks. I, I've never noticed. Like I, I don't, I mean, most of the time I'm like, before we're even on the escalator, I'm taking things out of my pocket and then putting them in my hat, which is when, where my hat has the most value Yeah, because it's kind of like a little, uh, bowl that I can put everything in. Yeah. And then I keep 100% of the time. I forget that we don't need to take our belt off. Mm. And so I'm always like belt off and then holding up my pants with the other hand. And I have mm -hmm. the belt here in, in the hat and everything. And it's just, I look like an asshole, but like more so. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I always go in there totally ready. And why is my hat not fitting anymore? Why am I wearing it indoors? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Choices. Mm. Von Waffensberg, there's a familiar name. Afternoon, guys. Mailed in my daily boss 302. Not sure what that meant. Oh, emailed. Willing to travel and be fun before winter hits. Would be fun to see how you compare it to the 2014 GT500. Well, thanks for your email. Yeah, we, we have four cars left banked, including the one we were riding today um, for the week after next. Um, but we got to schedule stuff. I feel weird when people want to travel far. Yeah. But thank you for your email. Yeah. Boss 302. I feel weird about modern Mustangs that have the 302 because the whole deal with the Boss 302 is that's when the 302 cube, like, I don't know if it's a stroke, stroked version of the 289 or a bored version of the 289. Um, Bruce could answer that question or people in the comments could tell me. Is the 302 a stroked version of the two? I think it's stroked, not bored. I mean, again, like if I spent as maybe I just need to do an RCR stories about the the Windsor block. Or, yeah, <laughs> or, because there aren't enough already. Yeah, that I've never watched. Yeah, I think there are more videos talking about the difference between a uh, a five a three fifty one Cleveland and a three fifty one Windsor. 
there are different ones that I, Ford. I want to do, but there are sort of like too many videos about them. And the ones that tend to do well for us tend to be the ones that don't have many in-depth videos about them. Like I would like to do group B racing, but am I going to do it better than like X channel? Yeah. Who lived that, it. Yeah. Who, and has like actual first person accounts. Yeah. They've been there. Yeah. We don't have it here. Um, or like, Joe, the ambassador yeah. from Auto Moments, he did a documentary on uh, AMC, and I'm like, I can't top that. It's like it, yeah. it's got production values out the ass. So yeah. I can't. I mean, unless I took a different approach and approach it as like, this isn't the life and death of AMC. This is the murder of AMC. Mm. <laughs> of just like the same thing with like Saab. Like if I were to do that instead of the life and death of Saab, it's like. Uh, who done it? Who killed Saab? And yeah. you know, it's whatever. Oh, oh. Also, someone in the live chat asked uh, about my guitar. Um, it's a Fender. I don't know what kind of Fender because I don't know as much about music as someone who actually gets paid to do it probably should. Um, it, it, and that's because I got into music entirely by accident. The mm -hmm. idea that I would be, ever be paid to do it or make money doing it is the most hilarious absurdity to me in my entire life. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for it, but I literally got the guitar because in the store it sounded nice. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I didn't really think much about it beyond that. And I don't know. I haven't put stickers on because I like how it looks all blue like yeah, that. Cool. It's very nice. Andrew Palmer said thoughts on the zero motorcycle. Loved it. Rode one in New Zealand. A guy lent me his own zero motorcycle to ride around for a day in New Zealand. It was fan freaking tastic. And he says, your guys are better than Top Gear. Thank you. Hopefully someday we'll get the production value and get a airstrip like they do. Yeah, that would um, be amazing. That would be amazing. I mean, did uh, sound, did they, is that airstrip not working anymore? Or did they sell that or something? Kutztown Airport is, someone owns the parcel privately, the parcel of land. Part of it is leased out to Lehigh Valley Health Network to just keep one of their medevac choppers there mm. for ease of access. There's like a mobile, there's like a semi-permanent trailer there that's just like, I don't know, a ready room for yeah. the helicopter pilots. That's it. That's all that's going on at that airport. Yeah. I mean, it would be super cool if you just like walk up and be like, well, I mean, whatever the rate was for that place in the UK you know, and just be that was like, a lot. That was a well, I mean, I and know he said that, no, I know and he number. said no burnouts, which is like, fuck you. I mean, really, well, it's really, we're in the middle of nowhere. I can't spin the tires a little bit. I'm, and, and the thing is, he, you're not even going to be there. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he left. Yeah. He's just like, here you go. Lock up when you're done. Yeah. Well, I mean, and oh, it wasn't a real it. runway either. Not it was just really. like that one lane going down and around and back. We couldn't whirve around. There was junk everywhere. Oh, yeah. Detritus everywhere. But it led to that awesome photo of you see you like chilling in that. Yeah, chair. That chair. was neat. That was cool as shit. Um, man, I loved everything about the UK. I ate way too many like savory pies yeah. because I realized what, am I, what can I get here that I'm not going to get at home? And it was always savory pies. <laughs> just like this is remarkable. Be Easy asks, best car poem. Oh, that she, was the one I read while you were making your uh, ah. Thing. She being brand new, E Cummings. Cool. Thank, thank you for your donation. Yeah. yeah, thank you, and thank you for the recommendation. I mean, even though I didn't care for the poem, it's still nice to engage with literature in mm -hmm. any way whatsoever, big or small. 
Uh, Mitro02 says, have you ever seen Westphalia IPA by Double Nickel Brewing? No, I have not. Not bad. It reminded me of you guys. Cheers. Cool. I like to get my hands on one. Maybe it'll be around at like Wegmans or sometime. Thank you. Leto Raffaru doesn't have a question. Just says, car is cool. Smiley face. Hey. What a Thank you. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah. you. And I mean, okay, car is cool. Um, We do have more. Yeah. After a fashion. Uh, refresh the page. Dead air. Dead air. Zach Heilman says, thank you for your donation. Which Pennsylvania town is an Ann car, the official car of? Okay, a town that just exists, has no real identity. See, now I'm going to have to I'm, I'm talk bad, bad things about a Pennsylvania town. See, you always want to go Altoona because that's what stand-up comics go, but they don't know really too much about Altoona. McCongee? McCungee. It's like on the way to Allentown. Yeah. McCungee has Bear Creek Ski Area nearby. McCungee, PA. I have enough money. I don't have to live in Whitehall. <laughs> Could go Whitehall. Whitehall is more of a community. It's like that Lehigh Valley sort of stuff where it all sorts of just blend into Lehigh Valley. The town sort of lose Fogles. Well, people Foglesville and kind of. But I have to have a town I spent time in that just sort of here's your town center. Frackville. <laughs> Frackville's north of the mountain. They used to have the mall. Now it's a place you stop over and get gas before you go to Centralia. But now they filled in the the piece of the abandoned 61 Centralia. So now it's not much going on. Um, and town. It's a nice town. They got a Red Robin. Um, Anvil is usually what I use as like the default picturesque town because mm -hmm. they have a freaking, you know, well, I mean, technically poor Clinton has a peanut shop too. Yeah. But still like it's you lions know. PA. There you go. <laughs> That's getting near the battery factory. Deck of battery. Mm. You got lions, you got Fleetwood Fleetwood. There's a tiny little town, yeah, but lions and Fleetwood were kept alive by Kutztown university nearby because back when college was a big thing, you know, you know, there's no room on campus. There's no room in college in Kutztown proper. You got to move out to lions or, or, uh, or Fleetwood and commute in. And by that point, you might as well just commute from home. Uh, <laughs> Oli. Oli. Oli is very, Maybe. very nice. I really wanted to teach at Oli Valley School School District. There's really, it's Ann Town. There you go. Oli, Oli, Pennsylvania. Ann Town. It's nice. It's Ann Town. Yeah. Can't say a bad thing about it. It exists. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. Oh, I can feel the burning in my throat now. The, and, and no more alcohol is going to solve this. It's just going to give me a headache later. Do we have the sign? Uh, the sign's over there by the fan in the other room. So but we don't have a real place to put it, I guess. Let's put it on the guitar. Okay. Uh, uh, Von Waffensberg says, one more before I hit the road. Thank you. I appreciated it. As a trucker, I feel a lot lately that cars are getting too fast while trucks are still slow as snails. Hmm. 
take me takes me a good 50 seconds to hit 60 miles an hour options and thoughts yeah every normal car can get to 100 within a reasonable amount of time apart from maybe the your uh your mitsubishi uh not eclipse what's that cheap one we did mirage yeah something like that your chevy aveo but like modern modern stuff even even your now the uh the two liter the new fb20 subaru impreza it still moves it'll get out of its own way that stuff of the 90s where our car was just eh, it moved but it can't get out of its own way like the ford aspire yeah it's done like um it, it sort of seems strange now especially on my motorcycle but that's not a fair assessment when i'm climbing in and out of those hills on 78 near the lehigh valley how the trucks just slow down it's like here's my time to pass in my subaru away <laughs> i go and yep they move behind me yep those are my opinions good question thank you von moffensburg e e e p y o n 88 thank you for your donation Ford Focus RS or ST, those are two very different cars. My answer is ST. Um, or Elantra GTN line, the one we just did. Okay, that depends on what you want. I just want a fun manual hatch over 200 horsepower. Okay, I know the pros and cons of each. Thoughts? Been watching since Neon SRT. Keep it oh, up. Thank, thank you. Hmm. I mean, not the end line, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Even though it has a manual. It does. You want fun, which fun means you're not going to care about it as much. You can buy old Focus STs for not. Yeah, they're going to start bottoming out soon. So fun means a little bit of fuck it. So fun should always have a fuck it approach to it. And the Elantra GT end line is still going to be new. So it's going to cost more. So I say go for the cheaper auction, get a Ford Focus ST, shift the hell out of it. You know, if you want, pay a little bit more for a boost controller, have fun. Don't put an exhaust on them. They sound horrible. Mm. And they don't need to be fast. Just do it so you can hear the turbo. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, Coral Donnelly has a question that just asks, are Super Chats closed? Yes, mm. but we're still doing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like no new ones. Or at least no new ones that are questions, although that's not fair to ask to just right. be like, hey. But I appreciate the question. I appreciate the super chat. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Jacob An Jacob Anon says, uh, thoughts on MF Doom? And I don't know what that means. The yeah, newest, no idea. The newest Doom game? Unless they meant to put Mount Doom and just put an F instead. Mm. They want to talk about Lord of the Rings. I have no idea about MF I have Doom. No um manual focus doom let me look on my phone because right. i feel like this is something that's going to be vaguely relevant. i didn't play the new doom because my computer can't handle it mf doom oh rapper because we were talking about rap earlier uh, well i can't really answer that unfortunately um best known for his super villain stage persona and rhyme dense humorous lyrical style so and he's 49 years old good for mm -hmm. him um yeah no i have no idea wish i had more to uh add but alas 
Volkswagen Beetle with $10 Canadian. My dad has a 1968 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme convertible. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about Cutlasses? I think they're very cheap Impalas. People like the 442, but I like my dad's because it's special to me. Good. Great. Drive it. Have fun with it. I mean, that's what I think about an Oldsmobile. It's, it's not, I guess it was supposed to be a more expensive Chevy, but in the long run, the Chevy Impala was king. That's as a convertible. Yeah. It's just trying to be fancy by way of making ooh lines on it. That's my thought of the Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme from the late 60s. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did like that one Pete and Pete where they find one in the stand at the beach. Yeah. That's pretty much the grand extent of my opinion on the Cutlass mm -hmm. Supreme. It's like, it's cool. They found one and it ran. Yeah. And then they never mention it again. Great. Arnold has a question. Maybe Nick can take this because I'm at to go to the bathroom. Thank you for your generous donation. Thoughts on vinyl records over digital? I convinced my friend not to invest in a collection, which I'm guessing a vinyl connection, since they don't listen to full albums. Then they bought a record player to listen to Borderlands 3 soundtrack on vinyl. Much love. Thoughts oh. on vinyl versus digital? Part of it is uh, relative to what you value, which is the same answer I tend to give with cars. But with records, I think what you're getting in uh, in sort of um, in comparison to digital, like what you're getting with vinyl in comparison to digital is that the sound almost interacts with the environment in which it's played. Uh, some will say that it has a crisper sound. Some will say that it has more of a weathered sound, but that it comes out in such a way that it improves the music in a way. I, I don't know what the ideal way to listen to music necessarily is. I mean, I'm a digital guy, but my brother is huge into vinyl records. He has a decent collection going of various, uh, you know, Tame Impala, the, the thou god now i can't remember the other records but long story short is that uh i think there's something to be said for the tactile experience of having a vinyl record being able to play that record and uh, experience that record in a way that doesn't force you to um sort of uh decompress from the world around you in that way that if you are listening on Spotify on your phone, that if you just have uh, headphones in and suddenly like the world doesn't exist, it's like, no, the playing on a record demands you to be present in some way and to engage with that experience in some ways. Um, and uh, this one is a regular chat question, but it's thoughts on the death of chat with Bozeman. Um, that one hit me like a ton of bricks and not just because I just had a colonoscopy, but um, just relative to the, um, the youth and the fact that, you know, I was really looking forward to this man's career and enjoying his work for years to come. I can't remember being that shaken by a celebrity's death since Heath Ledger, mm -hmm. where like suddenly it is going to be sound really pretentious in a like an Abe Lincoln quote kind of way, but like 
it's it's almost like he, it doesn't his work like it stops here he belongs to history now mm. you know of everything that he did there's nothing more there's just what he did while he was here and which is a great body of work and a great body of humanity from everything that i've read and heard about him but um yeah it's it's i don't know it is what it's I don't want to say it is what it is. I don't know why that's my default thing. And it's a stupid thing to have as a default because it doesn't mean anything, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I just felt really grief stricken for him and his family and loved ones, but also for all the people who looked up to him, especially the kids. Um, because I know how big black Panther was for people who don't normally get represented on the big screen as mm -hmm. superheroes and to finally have that person and then to lose them so suddenly, I mean, it goes beyond just a, a movie and what that is. Right. But what I would say to them is that, you know, the, the spirit of what was accomplished indoors, you know, like it doesn't mean that it all ends here. Like everything that he accomplished ends here. Like his work will live on um people will remember him and hopefully he'll mm -hmm. inspire others and i don't know but it's a real tragedy and yeah i don't know sorry to hear about it there you have it uh lo-fi camping guy asks what tent do you use for hiking and does it work well the 10 I have is a Kelty Circuit 2, and I've never used it for hiking. It's never been outdoors yet. It's upstairs in the attic, set up. I've never slept in it. I've never done anything because the Appalachian Trail, like in the like the two years leading up to the quarantine, at least in this section of Pennsylvania, has gotten kind of creepy. Is the chat on? Is it? Uh, yeah, I'm still getting new uh, chats. Someone okay, just asked I'm what not. a super chat is. A super chat is just a paid chat. Like you said, it's really it. weird. It's not updating on on my end, but we're still streaming, so whatever. Yeah. If you can see it, yeah, I can, can see it still. Okay. Um, new ones are popping up. Yeah, super chat is just you pay to get a question highlighted. Right. Um, which I mean, you know. Um, so yeah, before that I had a Walmart tent and it sucked because it do doesn't vent properly. You need to have plenty of mesh venting on a tent. And you think that initially my thoughts were what everybody else is. Well, don't you want this sealed up nice because you want to keep the weather out? Well, yeah, but also you're in a very small space. You're in, you have about the same volumetric capacity of maybe a phone booth and a half. Of course that dates myself because we don't have phone booths now. Um, you're just in a tiny closet and you're in there for at least eight hours as you sleep. So you start sweating and there's a lot of body heat. So what happens is if you got a tent completely sealed up and there's not venting, uh, and also like a good tent has vents down near the bottom mm. down by you. The idea is as you, even in the winter time, you start giving off body heat and the body heat condenses on the inside of the tent and then it just starts misting and draining inside your tent then because your own yeah. sweat gets up on the wall, condenses and then runs back down again. A good tent has vent, a little bit of vent on the bottom, 
some venting on top to get some airflow going through there. Even in the winter, you want that. You're going to be kept warm because if you're doing it right, you have a really, really warm sleeping bag, but you get like nice little vent. Like even in the winter time, I like it a little bit cold in my room. So I'll close the door and open the window, get some like cool winter air and I'll be under a heavy blanket. And then you slept really, really well because also it keeps you dry. Mm. It doesn't, you'd think like, oh, vents, you don't want vents. You don't want to get rain on. No, you do want venting to go through. So a good tent will have vents on the bottom by the floor of the tent. Like I'll have a little mesh, mesh venting down there and then vents on top. And even, and you'll have a rain fly that goes over top of that venting, but you want to keep it pulled up enough that unless it's really going to rain, you, you want all your warm air and your farts and everything to leave the tent. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a porous, it's porous, but it's not like it's leaving a direct opening that you're going to get just drenched, mm -hmm. you know, if it rains, mm -hmm. um, provided it's not like some torrential downpour, like yeah. mother nature is looking to want to do outside here. It's like on a car when you have that sunroof that could either pull back or like it pops up in the back. Yeah. It's like that. Mm. You get your vents blowing down by your feet and you pop the top up, get some air going through. Yeah. Uh, KAA. Uh, thank you for your donation. What is the official car of someone who says yes, play free? Who says yes, play, who says Freebird at every concert? Pontiac Trans Am. Pontiac Trans Am. Yeah. And like, not even an, you want a Pontiac Trans Am from like, two, uh, like 2001. Yeah. That's like the last one. It's not even the one from the it. era of Freebird. No. It's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pontiac Trans Am. And it's not going to be like F-Body because now F-Bodies are kind of cool. Yeah. Unless the last one is technically still F-Body. I'm thinking like WS6 era, but of course I can't afford a WS6. It's going to be that era of <laughs> Firebird. John Ward, I think this is the last one, said, went to Bear Creek this February. I guess this past February was my first ski trip. That was, yeah, pre-COVID. Cheap flights from, unless a different Bear Creek. I know there's more than one Bear Creek. There's Bear Creek and Mukunji, PA. And then I think there's some other Bear Creek, maybe somewhere else in the country. Anyway, cheap flights from Orlando, Sanford to Lehigh Valley. Oh, that's where you went. In fact, yeah. I think I did a Le uh, Orlando, Sanford to Lehigh Valley one time when I went down to visit Freddie Hernandez, uh, Tavares on YouTube. Nice resort and really chill instructors. Well, thank you very much. Give her an old refresh and see if that's the last, mm -hmm. the last of us. Yep, that was the last one. Uh, the regular chats aren't loading on my side, so I can't sign off to anybody. Uh, mine, I mean, I'm still getting but, some. But we're still streaming. <laughs> Someone so. mentioned V6 as a 95 for the person who, like, as the answer to the uh, Freebird question. Uh, I'm like, that's perfectly fair. <laughs> like, I take no offense to that whatsoever. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, hmm. something. A little propane space heater is great for an open tent. I saw, uh, or that was uh, from the regular chat. Atlas You'd want a big uh, tent. carry. Cause that's kind of freaky. Yeah. Well, I watched this video on YouTube. I forget the, I want to say his name was like Steve or something. Where Camping he, with Steve. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had a, a, you know, negative like 12 degree weather in a van that he like insulated and then yeah. he had a space heater. He had this little cookery, you know, this hot plate type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's very much like a, I don't know. That was a very interesting video. 
and just the Sleeping idea that was that the U-Haul van. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that he didn't get sort of because I feel like if it were around here, you'd get like the want yeah. to camp with parking here, yeah, and all that other stuff. Um, oh, Canada, mm. yeah, delightful. Well, well, that's a podcast. That's a podcast um, for two hours. Yeah, they, um, I mean, it's been uh, a pleasure speaking with you guys again. Mm. Um, I mean, I know you did last week, but I've been gone for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, just uh, please um, keep watching the show and um, or not if you don't <laughs> want to, you, you know, free world, hopefully. Yep. Uh, but anyway, yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you for everybody who donates to Patreon every month. I appreciate it. That money goes into our travel budget when we travel again. Thank you to everybody. And it may go into Project Dad time in the event. <laughs> We buy a Camry with a stick shift and call it Project Dad Time. Um, or, uh, and also thank you to everybody who donates to Super Chat. You're helping us exist as a channel much larger than we really are. Thank you everybody who watches on Monday and we'll have a new video up Monday. Yes, and uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're uh, watching this on YouTube, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Brian. Have a great week. Bye.